0: Today, we talk to a crypto startup and its first angel investor. Investor Investor-founder relationships aren't always so smooth, of course, but both sides say this partnership is really working. Welcome to another edition of the Angel Nest, where real angel investors and entrepreneurs partner to build great new companies. I'm David Hemingway. I'm a five-time founder and now an active angel investor. And my mission here is to help great companies find the investors that will help them succeed. We don't make or recommend investments at the Angel Nest, and this program is for informational purposes only. Andrew Elliott is the co-founder of Roundly X, which gives small savers access to cryptocurrencies by letting them round up their purchases. Roundly X is growing their user base and rounding up about $12,000 a day. And Drew ascribes much of the company's success to a unique partnership with angel investor Steve Walsh. He's so involved with most of his companies, he's known as the hands-on angel. Steve came to angel investing after 20 years in operations at Comcast, which honed his skills in marketing as well as sales and the ability to scale businesses. Those are issues that startups often need help with, of course. So Steve started consulting as well as investing in startups. Steve and Andrew, welcome to the Angel Nest, and thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having us, David. Thanks, David.
0: Andrew, tell us about RoundlyX and what kind of traction you're getting.
2: Uh, RoundlyX, very simply, um, helps its users round up their spare change into their favorite digital assets at their favorite exchanges when making everyday purchases. So over 70 crypto assets right now. You know, we can apply uh, round, this Roundup engine to all kinds of other platforms that our users care about. There's a lot of overlap into the gaming, etc. So we can plug up to those platforms too and enable our kind of Roundups as a service uh, tool set. So on the business side, we're kind of like Roundups as a service SaaS type product that connects to partners. On the consumer side with this fun Roundup app, we aggregate across multiple platforms. So you can see all of your holdings in one easy, convenient place and one dashboard, the RoundlyX dashboard, and then you can interact with those accounts too via tools like Roundups.
0: And what do your metrics look like?
2: Yeah, so we're at uh, 22,000 user accounts. We're doing about $12,000 a day in spare change. So uh, pushing a lot of spare change right now. Um, And our app is live in the uh,
1: Apple
0: App Store. Steve, what attracted you to RoundlyX?
1: What I love about what they're doing and how it's resonated with me is that not everybody understands crypto and it is, it, it's a C right it, of who buys Solana versus ETH versus Bitcoin. And it's hard, but most people understand dollar cost averaging investing. So in a roundly case, my 21 year old son is a roundly customer because he understands dollar cost averaging. is is interested in, in crypto. And my 81 year old mother is a roundly customer and because she understands dollar cost averaging. And she called me and said, I don't understand Bitcoin, but can you? This Roundly thing sounds pretty cool. Can you help me? And we set up her first ever ACH, and we set up her first ever app, and now she's a Roundly X customer. So I think it resonates across the spectrum of all investors who might say, "I want to get into crypto, I just don't know how." And these guys make it a really easy on ramp to do that.
0: Drew, by training, you're a traditional investment advisor. So I'm curious, what got you interested in crypto?
2: I spent um, maybe the first half of my career naysaying digital assets. Um, so I wasn't uh, an early believer. You know, I'm not someone who was fortunate enough to buy Bitcoin under $100 or something like that. Um, I was an investment advisor. Um, it, you know, it was kind of hard to get accounts uh, going out of the Great Recession. So I ended up at business school, which led me to startups. And all along the way, I was interested in this um, kind of emerging digital asset class. And I think the light bulb really went off for me in in early 2017, where for the first time it really felt like this was an asset class. It was not Bitcoin and then everything trying to be Bitcoin, but it was in fact had sectors, different use cases for different blockchains, and because of that, there would have to be whole ecosystems of um, you know helping you asset uh, uh, allocate your assets within this particular emergent asset class, and so my co-founder and i dove right into it we started discovering gaps we said you know there's some gaps in this new asset class that are really you know have already kind of been filled in the traditional stock equities bonds markets with platforms similar to this so we looked at those platforms and we we applied that and then we said okay what's unique about digital assets where's it going to go and then we positioned for that you know kind of open roadmap.
0: steve a lot of investors promise founders added value in terms of business contacts or advice, uh, but you still found that to be a differentiator for you. In fact, you are now known as the hands-on angel. Tell us how that happened.
1: Uh, I I will not take the credit for coming up with the name, although it's now it has stuck. So I started doing this about four years ago and, and under one premise. It was just I knew I had a few things to bring to the table for early stage companies. I had capital, which was nice, but I also had this gigantic network. I'm a gray-haired dude. I know a lot of people. I've, I've developed a career. And I had this unbelievable network of helpful people that I knew could bring value to founders in different ways. And I knew how to scale companies. And I get into this just saying, let me see if I could just be super helpful. And I I didn't want to be what I like to call dumb money, which is someone that just writes a check, hands it to a founder, then calls them every quarter and goes, Hey, how's my money going? Like to me, that was just a waste of time and money for me and for the founder. And I also thought that if I'm going to give a founder money, I've got a fiduciary responsibility to the founder and to myself to help them be as wildly successful as possible. And I was on a podcast like this a few years ago. And I started to talk about the fact that I just would go out of my way to help founders in any way I could, which was raise money, get partnerships, whatever. And the person interviewing me was actually an Australian podcast. He said, so you really like this hands-on approach, Steve. Like it's really, you're, you're really a hands-on angel. And my brother, who's an entrepreneur in California, was listening to the podcast. And we've been talking about creating a brand around what I was doing. And he, and he watched the podcast and he goes, that's it. You're the hands-on angel. That's, that's it. And ever since then, that's how I've been doing it. And I have one premise, which is you know, first of all, be as helpful as I can to the founders that I engage with. And the second is do no harm. Everything I do should be additive. It should help them go faster, raise more money, get more customers, just try to do no harm. And just remember that it's a privilege to work with these founders because ultimately it's their vision and their company. And when you come at it from that perspective, I just find good things happen if you work with good
0: people. So, Drew, how did you and Steve originally get acquainted? Was your first project to fundraise? So, I would say the the
2: raise was actually not the first thing Steve helped us with. Yeah, you know, Steve's from Boston, so he's very direct. So the first thing he helped us with was some product feedback. <laughs> Something was messed up or forgot what it was. So he you know pointed that out and uh, we pushed it along to Will to create the fix. But then the second thing he actually helped us with was not the raise either. It was introdu- uh, introducing us to potential partners, just folks he knew, friendly introduction. Um, and that meeting, um, I won't say who they were, but that meeting about a, just a, a roundup integration turned into a raise conversation, and that's what really got us spinning up on the raise. So we were three moves in, um, and before before Steve even even you know brought up the idea of helping with the raise, which he did. Uh, and, and it was amazingly successful. So
0: Steve was bringing value from the moment we met. And Steve, the most important question for every investor, uh, what do you look for in a startup? How do you decide when to invest and get involved?
1: So I, I think, um, you know, at this stage, David, that you and I play at precede seed seed stage, for me, it's, it starts and ends with people. It's people, then people, then people. Uh, because I can't tell you, who's going to be the next Facebook. I can't tell you who's going to be the next Uber. And I don't think any of us can. Um, But when I see a founder that's going to win or I see a founding team that's going to win, I I bet on people. And that's, and in Drew's case and Will, um, you know, I meet Drew, as he said, coming out of the accelerator and I was asking him about the origin around the X. and, And, you know, Drew and his partner, Will, you know, they're not, they're not kids. Everyone's a kid to me, but they're not kids. You know, they're in the mid thirties. Will's married. He's got a couple kids. Drew's getting married. So I'm like, okay, you guys have been doing this for a few years. Um, you know, you're, you're not 20 years old. How the hell did you fund the company? And Drew's like, oh, I sold my house to fund the company, bought a bunch of Bitcoin. I'm like, what? He's like, I sold my house to fund the company for the first two years. And I'm like, I'm in. He's like, I haven't finished my presentation. I'm like, I don't care what the presentation says. I don't care what the valuation says. I'm in. And I'm paraphrasing it, but that's really what it takes, David. It takes someone like Drew and his partner, Will, that just say, we have no plan B. This is the path. This is our future. And we're going to bet everything on making it successful. And we're willing to run through walls because being a founder on a good day is hard. And I really look for those people that can get knocked down and pick back up and keep going because that's what it takes when you're trying to build a company and and just You have almost like blinders on. You don't care what's going on in the market. You don't care what's going on in the macro world. The funny thing is, Drew and I joke about it all the time. If you ever want to find out the absolute worst time to raise money, talk to Drew because he raised his first round with me at the start of the pandemic. And he just raised his seed round with me a month and a half ago when the markets crashed. So Drew just said, I am the perfect epitome of when not to raise money because markets go south. But to his credit... He's won both times and we've raised great money from great investors. So it just it takes perseverance. It starts and ends with people.
0: Drew, is there a secret to successful collaboration with investors and advisors? And what advice would you give to new founders?
2: Never stop. If you know you're right, then why would you ever stop? So don't stop. Keep going. Find a way. And the other thing is have, uh, have a process around who you bring in. Uh, even for advisors, you know, I mentioned early in the in the podcast that Steve brought value before we signed an advisor agreement, before we got together, uh, you know, officially. People like that will always be helpful because they were helpful before they, you know, got more skin in the game. So just, just think about that. Think about a process. Think about who brings
1: value without asking for something right away. I think for me, David, it's um... – I look for founders that are coachable and that understand their weaknesses and understand they don't know everything about everything, because that's how you build a great company when you're willing to give up maybe the control and surround yourself with people that can help you in different areas that aren't your strength and have people that are diversity of thought. Uh, And I think Drew is a great example of that. And that's really what I would advise early stage founders is don't be so rigid because what you think is going to be your strategy today And your product today will change over time. And you have to be willing to pivot and to change over time. And that's probably a quality I would say you need to adapt early on as a founder.
0: Congratulations, gentlemen. It seems like you found a way to be successful and have fun along the way. So thanks for making time to join us today. You can learn more and find contact information for Steve Walsh and Drew Elliott at our website, theangelnest.com. And now for the disclaimer that we don't make or recommend investments at the Angel Nest, and this program is for informational purposes only. We do not verify and cannot be held responsible for claims made by our guests or sponsors. You should always do your own homework before investing in any business, especially in private ventures. I'm David Hemingway. We produce the Angel Nest with help from David Newhoff. Thanks for listening, and here's hoping my fellow angels and the founders they support find their next great venture. So long until next time.